section sixty nine of the united states this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox org the world story volume thirteen the united states edited by eva march tappan section sixty nine the gathering of the great army eighteen sixty one by charles carlton coffin at the call of the president every village sends its soldiers every town its company when you listen to the soul-thrilling music of the band and watch the long winding train as it vanished with the troops in the distance you had one little glimpse of the machinery of war as when riding past a great manufactory you see a single pulley or a row of spindles through a window you do not see the thousands of wheels belts shafts the hundred thousand spindles the arms of iron fingers of brass and springs of steel and the mighty wheel which gives motion to all and so you have not seen the great complicated far-reaching and powerful machinery of war but there is activity everywhere drums are beating men assembling soldiers marching and hastening on in regiments they go into camp and sleep on the ground wrapped in their blankets it is a new life they have no napkins no tablecloths at breakfast dinner or supper no china plates or silver forks each soldier has his tin plate and cup and makes a hearty meal of beef and bread it is hard baked bread they call it hard tack because it might be tacked upon the roof of a house instead of shingles they also have cincinnati chicken at home they called it pork fowls are scarce and pork is plenty in camp so they make believe it is chicken there is drilling by squads companies battalions and by regiments some stand guard around the camp by day and others go out on picket at night to watch for the enemy it is military life everything is done by orders when you become a soldier you cannot go and come as you please privates lieutenants captains colonels generals all are subject to the orders of their superior officers all must obey the general in command you march drill eat sleep go to bed and get up by order at sunrise you hear the reveille and at nine o'clock in the evening the tattoo then the candle which has been burning in your tent with a bayonet for a candlestick must be put out in the dead of night while sleeping soundly and dreaming of home you hear the drum beat it is the long roll there is a rattle of musketry the pickets are at it every man springs to his feet turn out turn out shouts the colonel fall in fall in cries the captain there is confusion throughout the camp a trampling of feet and loud hurried talking in your haste you get your boots on wrong and buckle your cartridge box on bottom up you rush out in the darkness not minding your steps and are caught by the tent ropes you tumble headlong upsetting to-morrow's breakfast of beans you take your place in the ranks nervous excited and trembling at you know not what 
the regiment rushes toward the firing which suddenly ceases an officer rides up in the darkness and says it is a false alarm you march back to camp cool and collected now grumbling at the stupidity of the picket who saw a bush thought it was a rebel fired his gun and alarmed the whole camp in the autumn of eighteen sixty one the army of the potomac encamped around washington numbered about two hundred thousand men before it marches to the battlefield let us see how it is organized how it looks how it is fed let us get an insight into its machinery go up in the balloon which you see hanging in the air across the potomac from georgetown and look down upon this great army all the country round is dotted with white tents some in the open fields and some half hid by the forest trees looking away to the northwest you see the right wing arlington is the centre and at alexandria is the left wing you see men in ranks in files in long lines in masses moving to and fro marching and counter-marching learning how to fight a battle there are thousands of wagons and horses there are from two to three hundred pieces of artillery how long the line if all were on the march men marching in files are about three feet apart a wagon with four horses occupies fifty feet if this army was moving on a narrow country road four cavalrymen riding abreast and men in files of four with all the artillery ammunition wagons supply trains ambulances and equipment it would reach from boston to hartford or from new york city to albany a hundred and fifty miles to move such a multitude to bring order out of confusion there must be a system a plan and an organization regiments are therefore formed into brigades with usually about four regiments to a brigade three or four brigades compose a division and three or four divisions make an army corps a corps when full numbers from twenty-five to thirty thousand men when an army moves the general commanding it issues his orders to the generals commanding the corps they issue their orders to the division commanders the division commanders to the brigadiers they to the colonels and the colonels to captains and the captains to the companies as the great wheel in the factory turns all the machinery so one mind moves the whole army the general-in-chief must designate the road which each corps shall take the time when they are to march where they are to march to and sometimes the hour when they must arrive at an appointed place the corps commanders must direct which of their divisions shall march first what roads they shall take and where they shall encamp at night the division commanders direct what brigade shall march first no corps division or brigade commander can take any other road than that assigned him without producing confusion and delay the army must have its food regularly think how much food it takes to supply the city of boston or cincinnati every day 
yet here are as many men as there are people in those cities there are a great many more horses in the army than in the stables of both of those cities all must be fed there must be a constant supply of beef pork bread beans vinegar sugar and coffee oats corn and hay the army must also have its supplies of clothing its boots shoes and coats it must have its ammunition its millions of cartridges of different kinds for there are a great many kinds of guns in the regiments springfield and enfield muskets french belgian prussian and austrian guns requiring a great many different kinds of ammunition there are a great many different kinds of cannon there must be no lack of ammunition no mistake in its distribution so there is the quartermaster's department the commissary and the ordnance department the quartermaster moves and clothes the army the commissary feeds it and the ordnance officer supplies it with ammunition the general-in-chief has a quartermaster-general a chief commissary and a chief ordnance officer who issue their orders to the chief officers and their departments attached to each corps they issue their orders to their subordinates in the divisions and the division officers to those in the brigades then there is a surgeon-general who directs all the hospital operations who must see that the sick and wounded are all taken care of there are camp surgeons division brigade and regimental surgeons there are hospital nurses ambulance drivers all subject to the orders of the surgeon no other officer can direct them each department is complete in itself it has cost a great deal of thought labor and money to construct this great machinery in creating it there has been much thinking energy determination and labor and there must be constant forethought in anticipating future wants necessities and contingencies when to move where and how the army does not exist of its own accord but by constant unremitting effort the people of the country determined that the constitution the union and the government bequeathed by their fathers should be preserved they authorized the president to raise a great army congress voted money and men the president acting as the agent of the people and as commander-in-chief appointed men to bring all the materials together and organize the army look at what was wanted to build this mighty machine and to keep it going first the hundreds of thousands of men the thousands of horses the thousands of barrels of beef pork and flour thousands of hogsheads of sugar vinegar rice salt bags of coffee and immense stores of other things thousands of tons of hay bags of oats and corn what numbers of men and women have been at work to get each soldier ready for the field he has boots clothes and equipments the tanner courier shoemaker the manufacturer with his swift flying shuttles the operator tending his looms and spinning jennies the tailor with his sewing machines the gunsmith the harness maker the blacksmith all trades and occupations have been employed there are saddles bridles knapsacks canteens dippers plates knives stoves kettles tents blankets medicines drums swords pistols guns cannon powder percussion caps bullets shot shells wagons everything walk leisurely through the camps and observe the little things and the great things see the men on the march then go into the army and navy departments in washington in those brick buildings west of the president's house in those rooms are surveys 
maps plans papers charts of the ocean of the sea-coast currents sandbar shoals the rising and falling of tides in the topographical bureau you see maps of all sections of the country there is the ordnance bureau with all sorts of guns rifles muskets carbines pistols sword shells rifled shot fuses which the inventors have brought in there are a great many bureaus with immense piles of papers and volumes containing experiments upon the strength of iron the trials of cannon guns mortars and powder there have been experiments to determine how much powder shall be used whether it shall be as fine as mustard seed or as coarse as lumps of sugar and the results are all noted here all the appliances of science industry and art are brought into use to make it the best army the world ever saw end of section sixty nine this recording is in the public domain